love him. Thank you, dear Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord God Almighty. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, God, I give you praise. I give you praise. I give you praise. I give you praise. Thank you, dear Lord. Thank you, dear Jesus. We love you. We praise you. We need your glory. We need your wondrous grace, dear God. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost and fire. If you have a Bible tonight, I'd like to take a look at the book of Genesis, chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light. That it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. Everybody said, Praise the Lord. I'd like to minister for a little while on the first day of the rest of your life. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. You know, I've been uh, reading the Bible I've through, and I came from the New Testament, Revelation, all the way back through Matthew, and then I continued on, Malachi, all the way back through to Nehemiah. And I started telling myself that I, I get in a book, and I feel like I'm neglecting the rest of the book. And, uh, you know, if I'm over here in Nehemiah, I feel like I should be over there and somewhere in the New Testament, and I'm somewhere in the New Testament, I feel like I should be somewhere over in Genesis, and if I'm in Genesis, I feel like I should be. So I'm trying now to read a few chapters of many different books and write some of them and, and uh, see if I can't, you know, just be drawing from a whole bunch of different places. But uh, I want you to think in terms of John's account, chapter 3, where a man came to Jesus in the daytime and he problem was that his mind wasn't in the daytime his mind was in chaos there are translations and uh, the word chaos goes along pretty much with uh, how the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep how bad things were and this man comes to Jesus, and he's in a terrible shape. And they've been talking, and in their talking they, with one another, they begin to see something different here in their midst. And it, it begin to get their attention. And as it begin to get their attention, this fella, I don't know if he was elected among the group, um, now, I figured if it was our guys, Marvin would point somebody and send them to go find out. 
Marvin would stay back in the shadows. I don't know if that's what took place, and they sent Nicodemus down the road. And then there was Peter who told John uh, when John and them were at a meal and uh, with the Lord, and uh, John was younger, and he was reclining and um, evidently had a, a closeness with Jesus and had a need being a young man. And uh, it's, it's conjectured that he might have been fatherless. So uh, he was reclining on the Lord and no doubt getting a good earful of the Lord's heartbeat. And uh, there was concern about things that were going on and Jesus had warned about, and it threw them all into a panic. And they were very concerned if they were the one that was transgressing or in trespass. And um, so finally Peter said, ask him, John. You ask him. And um, once again, I think of Marvin, you know, nudging one of the guys. Go ask senior pastor thus and so. And, uh, of course, when we turn around and look, we can't find Marvin anywhere. And, uh, but that's all right. He comes, he comes out of the hidey hole after a while, and we have our fun with old brother Marvin. But um, and he is making some, some strides. I'm, I told him I read from Genesis where it's not good. The Lord said it's not good for a man to be alone. And I started thinking, you know, he's getting close to 30, and I, I'm trying to find him a woman. What do you say, ladies? Huh? Help me out here. I told him, I said, Marvin, if I don't find you a woman, I said, I'm gonna, we're going to have to call in the anesthesiologist and put you to deep sleep and operate and pull out a rib and see if we can figure out how in the name of Jesus Christ to turn that rib into a woman and uh, give her a name, and then we'll call Pastor Hopper in and he'll use his super glue and put you back together, and uh, we'll go right straight on. So um, pray with me. Because I want Marvin to get a good wife. And that's a good thing, right? You know, the Bible said if you get a wife from... Oh, poor Marvin, he's over here. He don't know what's going on. <laughs> I do know how to get his attention, don't I? <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, if you uh, get a, a wife of the Lord, you not only obtain a good thing, but you uh, obtain favor of the Lord. And there's nothing wrong with getting the favor of the Lord in your life, right? That's a good thing. So that's two good reasons to get a good wife in the church, all right? And I kind of feel like there's, you know, got to be a reverse side of that. So if you, you want a man, a husband, you, you want him in the church, you want him in the Lord, and I'm quite sure that it's going to bring equally good things to your life and to your marriage. Remember, we don't go outside the church. We don't do that. We don't get unequally yoked together with the unbeliever, all right? And when somebody comes into the church, by way of just what was told to this individual, Jesus answered him, and as he began to proclaim to Jesus, we know that, that thou art come from God, a teacher come from God, for no man can do the miracles or the things that you do except God be with him, except the Spirit be with him, for God is a Spirit. And um, Jesus told him, truly, truly, I say unto thee, you must be born again. And so we don't ever want to try to get around that verse. Now, some people want to skip by John 3 and 3 and 3 and 5 and the rest of that, and they want to leapfrog up to 316. And I, 
I like all of them in between as well as 16 and everything after John 3.16. I love them all. Genesis to Revelation, almost 800,000 words, 1,189 chapters. I love it all. I believe it all. Everybody said amen. But uh, you can't take one and ride it like a hobby horse and at the expense of the other things and throw them out and ignore them and glaze over when you read them or they're preached. You've got to believe the whole counsel of God. And that's what the church brings to people, the whole counsel of God. We're not leaving anything out. And everybody said amen. But we're going to bring it to you in balance. We don't want you uh, to get to the place that, you know, you're all this away. We want you balanced here. And everybody said amen. I've seen people go mighty kooky. Hear me now. That in, in You know, you can be a, a giant in one phase of God's work, but you can be a midget in another phase. You're not supposed to use that word, are you? A little person in, 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 in another part. And we, we want to balance out here, okay? We want to balance out. Very, very important. And so Jesus tells this man, you, you must be born again. And then he goes on to tell him when he is, of course, he thought naturally. Of course, out of this dark, darkened mind, this mind that is in chaos. I mean, when you think of chaos, you just think of something that has, is total confusion. It just doesn't have any sense of order to it whatsoever. And that's how this guy's mind was when it came to spiritual things. And he's looking at Jesus, and Jesus has just told him he had to be born again. And, and you know, he's just scratching his head, and his, his mind was already in chaos. Now it's just jumped into high gear, and it's, it's really agitating. And, and he's, he's like, man, he says, how in the world do I do that? And he begins to apply natural thinking. Well, don't knock Nicodemus so much. He came up with the idea, do I enter the second time into my mother's womb and be born? But you got people today that tell you their man-made way, their natural way is to shake the preacher's hand or to take Christ as your personal Savior and things of that nature. Accept Him as your personal Savior. And all these man-made ideas, natural ways of thinking. And they come up with all kinds of natural explanations. You know, they sit around in little chairs and little circles and they have their little talks You'd think they were in a, a salon or something someplace. You better wake up and realize that there God sets things in order. God has a way of doing things that you and I need to learn. And what we need, of course, is what is said. You need to be born again of water and of the Spirit. And everybody said amen. Give God a big hand. Come on. Glory, glory, glory. So Jesus set about to let this man know and everybody else know. He wanted to get his and ours attention. And he said, you must be born again of water and of the Spirit, or you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So you can't see it if you're not born again, and you can't enter into it if you're not born again. But you know what? Here you have a shadow and a type in the book of Genesis. You have the earth. Hey, we are earth. We are earthen vessels. And that it went on to say that this earth was without form, and it was empty, it was void, and that darkness was upon the face of the deep. And this is our condition. This is your world before you're born again. 
Your world is a mess. Your world is in confusion and chaos. And you can't seem to get anything really together and going in the right direction. As one person said, every time I get a leg up, I get knocked back down. You know, <clears throat> when I married Jesus at Phelps, now we weren't in church. We were, we were in the world. We didn't know anything about the Bible. And uh, I robbed the cradle. She was about 16, and, and I had just turned 20. And uh, so we, uh, she told me when it came time to cook that she didn't know how to cook. So I said, okay, all right, this is how we're going to do this. I'm going to teach you how to cook, and I'm going to retire at a young and early age, okay? Now, I didn't know a whole lot, but I did know some things. And so uh, she said, yeah, all I ever did when my mother would have a big giant pot and, and, and they had the snails, well, that turned me off right then. Yeah, I don't care if you call it a scargoyle. It may sound bigger and badder, but it's still snails. <laughs> And, and she said they, she, her mother would have her stand there while the water was boiling and dump the snails in, and the snails were trying to get out of the pot. And her job was to take the spoon and hit them back in. <laughs> that was, the, that was the, her experience at cooking. That was it. Well, I don't do snails. So we went to, we went to uh, Cooking 101. And I began to teach her how to cook eggs and French toast and pancakes and things, of course, that I liked. And uh, that's how come I knew how to make them and, uh, you know, how to do the bacon and all that kind of stuff. And after a while, I could even do a little spaghetti. And, of course, you buy the sauce, you pop the top, pour it on, you're all set, right? So, you know, that was the extent of that. But um, after a while, she caught on and she took off and she hadn't looked back since. But I'm trying to say that um, early on, there was a lot of chaos there. There was a lot of confusion there, you know. <laughs> there was struggle to boil water. There was a lot of problems. And you know, when we're in life and we are in this natural nature and we are in this physical world and our minds are in darkness and we are just empty and we are confused and chaotic and things are just mumble-jumble every which way. Uh, what they say? Don't give me that mumbo-jumbo. said, give me that funky Jesus. <laughs> you know, I want that good Jesus thing. And that's what Nicodemus came, friend, and he was in a bad shape. And, and they'd been talking, and the more they talked and the more they saw about Jesus and his church that he was teaching them about and introducing them to, the more they realized that they were in darkness. But this is when the Spirit of God wants to move in your life, and that's what he showed in Genesis in a shadow and a type, because God's Spirit began to move. He said, that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. we got to get this flesh in its place. we got to put it in subjection, and we've got to get in the Holy Ghost. We've got to learn to lift our hearts with our hands and worship God who said, let there be light. And when he did, whoo, man, he opens your understanding. Paul said, the man that became the Apostle Paul, boogieing down the road, being in, 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 on his way to Damascus, I, it, it wouldn't be wrong to think that he was on a camel or a donkey or even an Arabian type horse. Uh, he was on some kind of mode of transportation. And the Lord knocked him to the ground and took away his eyesight and got him to where he was a lot more 
cooperative. He wasn't so contrary on his face in the hot, burning desert sand and sun. Matter of fact, he said that when he was making good peace with God, you know, who art thou? Jesus. Oh, okay. Got that. Got that. Okay. And uh, what do you have me to do? You're going to go to a, it's going to be told thee what thou must do. You're not going to have a choice. You're, you're not going to negotiate this. You're not going to make up the rules as you go along. You're not going to try to schmooze me along. You're not going to try to be dishonest and deceive me. And, and you're not going to be like Annas, Ananias and Sapphira, how that they kept back things. And God knew all along. How about, how about Sarah? How about Sarah? Sarah's in the tent. Abraham says, we've got three visitors. He said, I want you to get, get the vittles on, get the cooking going here. And he runs out to the herd and gets the guy that's over the herd. And he says, boy, get me a nice little piece, piece and juicy, tender uh, sacrifice here. I want to cook this up for these three people and these three men. And uh, two of them angels and one of them the Lord. I would say that would be the angel of the Lord. And... Um, and boy, Abraham knew he had something for dinner that night, man. He had some company. And he's running around the place, running from place to place, getting everything ready. And, uh, and pretty soon the time came when uh, the Lord spoke to Abraham and said that uh, you're going to have a son. And Sarah left. Right about that time, those eyes of those three swung around and said, wherefore didst thou laugh? And she did just what? We do, she said. I didn't laugh. <laughs> and brother, those those fiery like eyes were just bearing down on her and said, "Yeah, you did laugh." I didn't read where she responded to that one again. <laughs> Second time around, I think she decided I've been found out. I better shut up. I better just be quiet right now. And uh, so you know, remember your Bible said that be sure. Your sins will find you out. Now, friend, sin is also likened to a, uh, a crouching animal that's coiled and ready to spring at you. And uh, you've got to be careful with that sin stuff because it'll turn the, the hunter into the hunted pretty soon. Sin is seeking you out like a, like a heat-seeking missile. And it's following, following you based on what you're doing, how you're acting, where you're going. And friend, it's, it's looking for you, and it's, it's hot on your trail. And let me tell you, I think I said it the other time, and I know I've said it before, but hunters, good hunters, have told me that uh, you can get deer because they're an example of it anyway, that they, they, they travel in a pattern. And, and the hunter gets to learning their pattern, what time and what brook they go to get water at, and what time and what field they go to feed in at, and what meadow they're going through, or what wooded area at a certain time uh, and, and, a, and a certain part of the day. And the hunter learns that, and that's why he can get the deer. And I suppose that might carry forth with a lot of different species out there. But the point that I'm saying is don't think the devil doesn't know your patterns. Don't think that he's not in control when you're in the flesh, 
when you're naturally minded and thinking in crazy, chaotic ways. Oh, friend, he very much knows. And he, know ye not that to whom you yield yourself servant to obey, his servant you are to obey. You think you're in control, but it's that old devil that's in control. And he's driving you every which way. And he's absolutely trying to catch you out. And he, sin is a killer, and he's coming after you, and he's just going to play with you and use you to a certain extent until he's ready, friend, to lay the final blow to you. You better tell yourself that you need to be born again. You need to be introduced to the world where God moved upon the darkness and said, let there be light. Where God said, I'm going to give you the day and turn on the bright light like to the man that became the Apostle Paul. He said, what I saw was brighter than the noonday sun. What kind of light was that? Well, the scripture said it's his marvelous light. That's what kind of light it is. And he's going to open your understanding. He's going to show you the truth of the scriptures. And you want the truth. Never mind the false doctrine and the man-made ways. You get away from that. The man-made ways will tell you that God didn't create this. This earth and the heavens. They'll tell you other things. Man is very confused. Religions are very confused. But I tell you, our God is not the author of confusion. He brings you peace. He brings you light. He brings you order. He puts this in your life. Things start to line up and to make sense. Amen. And you know, as God begins, you can remain standing. I'm going to stop. God deals with you. He's trying to lead you out of confusion. He's trying to lead you out of darkness. He's trying to show you the truth. And remember this, the Bible said, because people did not receive the love of the truth. Now when God gets to dealing with you, and you start building a wall, you know, think you're a block mason or something, and you start throwing up a wall, you're building that wall out of unbelief and doubt and fear. And as you build that wall, you're, you're trying to shut out what God is doing in your life. You get what we call convicted. And, you know, there's a lot of people that don't like that feeling of conviction. They say, it makes me feel bad. Well, it's kind of like the, the person said, you've got you to greet a lot of toads before you get the prince. Well, you might want to consider conviction to be a little bit like a toad. Don't look too good, may not smell too good, but after a while, you're going to get past the toad and you're going to find the prince. He's the prince of peace. He is Jesus the Christ. There's going to be a little pinprick. There's going to be a little pinch. There's going to be a little, I feel guilty about the way I've been living, the things I've been doing, but you see, he's going to get rid of that for you. It's, it's like if you had cancer or some other dreaded disease, the Lord is the healer of these things. And he's going to take away the source of what's causing you to be upset and to be in darkness. How great was it when God's Spirit moved upon the face of the earth and God began to say, let there be light. And man, they suddenly, things could be seen. And then God was showing this and adding that and creating this and creating that until the earth was just so beautiful. Everybody said amen. Help me out, brother. Just so beautiful. And I'm telling you, 
that our God wants to make your new world beautiful. He wants to show you what His creative power in being born again can do for you. Remember, He said you must be born again. If you're going to take your first steps into this new world, this church, this body of Christ, then you've, you've got to be born again. That which is born of the flesh, that's flesh. And where Jesus was saying, I want to introduce you to my world. You must be born again, he said, of water and of the Spirit. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit or spiritual. And you're going to have a whole new world here. And everybody said amen. Let's give God a big hand. Amen. A whole new world. Let him replace the chaos, the confusion, the misery, the guiltiness, the upset mind that you have. Let him replace that and give you all, as God looked at all that he did, he kept saying, it is good. It is good. You know, for God to look at you and he's made you a, he wants to make you a new creation. That's what your Bible teaches in Christ Jesus. He wants to make you over new again. It is a, it's going to be a new you. You're going to be a new person. You're not, you're not going to be thinking in, in ugly, dark thoughts and terms anymore. You're going to be in the light. You know, people, the Bible said that people love darkness because they're, the things they were doing were evil. Darkness likes the evil. Dishonesty likes the darkness, likes to be in all of that. But when you get the truth and you begin to embrace the truth and you love the truth, you love what's right, you love what's of God, it makes all the difference in your world. He gives you a new world. He makes you a new creation. And when God does a thing, friend, he does it right. He does it good. He does it clean. He does it wholesome. He's going to make, he's going to take away sadness and he's going to replace it with happiness. You hear me? He's going to give you joy, the Bible said, that's unspeakable and full of glory, full of the glory of God. You're going to, to shine like you've never shown, and you're going to have a, a happiness that you've never experienced. You're going to have a peace that the Bible said passes all understanding, but you're going to have that. And sometimes these things are, are difficult to convey, and you know why? Because it's, it's an experience. Now, there could be somebody here tonight that's had a heart attack in their lifetime, and they could try to tell me about having that heart attack, and I would try, I would try to understand the best I could to, to emphasize with them. But the truth of the matter is, I couldn't get it 100% because I've never experienced a heart attack, thank God. I've never had that happen to me. And, but I am saying to you that the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost is an experience. And you want to get the, and I'm so glad the Holy Ghost is more than what man-made ideas are. I'm glad it's more than a handshake. <laughs> I'm so glad it's more than just saying, okay, Jesus, I confess you with my mouth, and I take you as my personal Savior. You know, I'm so glad. That's not in the Bible. And I'm so glad that God has a supernatural. It's not a natural experience. It's a supernatural experience. It, it, it's way above it, way above it. It's so great and so glorious. And when you begin to raise your heart with your hands, your heart being your mind, your thoughts and your emotions. And you raise your hands in, with your heart in surrenderment. And God, I'm not going to fight you anymore. I'm not going to be thinking in my mind, I, I don't want to do this because I don't want to give up my pot 
I don't want to give up my dope, my, my drinking. I don't want to give up my clubbing. You know, and you're trying to hold on to those things, you know. And, uh, but when you get to the point to where you want him more than you want anything else, you're going to get the Holy Ghost. Hear me? And if you're not yet baptized in Jesus' name, well, the water right behind me is ready to go, and so am I. And we will baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ, and you'll be forgiven of all of your sins. And God is teaching that those heavens will be opened to bring to you a brand new experience and introduce you to a brand new world, a world that I'm telling you is going to make you so happy, happy beyond your wildest dreams because you have not yet experienced it. And what an experience it is. Let's lift our hearts with our hands. We're going to worship the Lord and make our way to the front. All the men over here, all the ladies and women over here, come in close. Find a place close to the altar where we can pray with you. And our women that have been here for a while, you're praying for people. Same with the men, people that need the Holy Ghost, people that need this great experience. Come on. We love you. We want you to get the Holy Ghost. 